Hello, and welcome to Wellbeings. Hey, this is a podcast where leaders and experts in healthcare use storytelling to shed light on aging, health span, and long-term care. I'm your host, Tyler White. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Dustin Schaefer, who talks about his role as a marketer and then his transition into an administrator. And he's got lots of interesting things to say, so uh, stay tuned. Here we go. Glad to have Dustin Schaefer with us today. Very excited to have you, Dustin. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So uh, Dustin Schaefer is the administrator at Haven of Scottsdale, right? Yes. And how long have you been doing that for? Going on uh, three years in February. And how is it treating you? I love it. Love it? I waited uh, too long to do what I do now. What do you mean by that? So I've been, it's now been 12 years since I've been in skilled nursing. Uh, People think nursing home, but it's a skilled nursing facility. And uh, finally, after 10 years, I decided I wanted to jump into this position. Uh, I've done marketing admissions for a long time, and I felt like I could bring new energy. Um, You know, we have, we have a a unique uh, generation right now. You know, we have very young kids coming up. We have some nurses and uh, some staff that have been there a very long time. You have um, new technology, things like that. And the way uh, the generations they want to communicate is different. And I just kind of saw a lot of administrators and I felt like I could put my ideas, my passion um, and really do something different in this industry, bring more energy and and really help out uh, the folks we love. Wonderful. So you mentioned that you jumped into the administrator role prior to that marketing, right? Yes. And and obviously it's a same field, but a totally different job. Um, what's the day-to-day in marketing and how does that compare to the day-to-day in the administrator role? Uh, much different. So marketing, you know, you're responsible for creating relationships, for driving business, for um, getting folks aware of your facility. Uh, but you're also needing to, um, you know, meet the loved ones that are afraid to come to a nursing home. You know, there's a there's a stigma that people think nursing homes are bad. Uh, that's an old stigma. And um, you know, there's a lot of rejection. Uh, you need to constantly be able to go or prior to COVID, you know, you'd be going to hospital to hospital and you catch someone in a bad mood and they shut you down. And then, you know, the policies were getting harder and harder. So you really had to bring value. Um, but it was nerve wracking at times. You know, if you're not comfortable going into, you know, a crowd of doctors and talking to them, um, realizing they're just people, you know, they want to hear about you. Uh, going into a room and, and seeing a husband that's been with his wife for, you know, many, many years, and this is the first time they're going to be separated and, you know, giving them that confidence. So you have that quick chance to meet them in the hospital, to talk to them over the phone, to bring them to your facility, give them a tour and really make them feel welcome. So that was kind of the marketing piece, liaison, admissions. It's kind of all similar roles. And as a marketer, uh, you were, what age were you when you were marketing? Gosh, when I first started, uh, I was 22. I was a young buck. I was shy, nervous. I, I have this problem where my cheeks get red when I get <laughs> when I get nervous. And is that what it is? <laughs> it's, it's a combination. Yeah. Uh, 
so it really helped me get out of my comfort zone, uh, really get to connect with people, you know, walking into a hospital and getting rejected and then just having that confidence to get back in there, you know, just knowing, hey, someone was probably interrupted 50 times and they have a, a bunch of patients to get out of the hospital. Because um, we're, we're normally talking to the case managers, the social workers, physicians, people that um, talk with the, the patients and, and provide them the options of the skilled nursing facilities. So I don't want to talk too much about the marketing, yeah. but how did you, what did, what did you tell yourself? I mean, 22 years old, I can only imagine it, there's got to be a certain level of intimidation there, uh, talking to doctors, talking to administrators, talking to people who are more seasoned than you yes. in the career. Um, what did you tell yourself to uh, prepare yourself to walk into that room and instill the confidence in them that you needed to in order to uh, properly market uh, that which you were marketing? Uh, a lot of it is knowing why you're you're doing that you know you're not just marketing you're not just selling um we're in the business and skilled nursing of helping people you know we we've all had grandparents and, and many of us still do um and they're just like our grandparents or they're just like our father or just like our brother or sister that got in a car accident that need to get um that need recovery and, and that's what we provide and so when i kept telling myself um i'm going in there to help them you know, and I felt personally responsible once those families, once those patients chose my facility. And if uh, things went wrong or if they had a bad experience, you know, I, I did everything I could to make sure that we improved, um, if there was anything extra I could do. But it was really just knowing what your overall purpose was. You know, it's not just hitting a number or a quota or a, a sales goal. It was you're improving lives. You know, if I could take someone that has had a stroke and I get to watch them walk out of the place. Um, that kind of stuff really sits with you. So, oh, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I my experience in sales because really um, every profession has an element of sales, and uh, and my, and my experience with sales is I have only sold things that I really believed in, and through that lens, I don't feel like it's very salesy at all. I feel yeah. like I'm just talking about something that I believe in and this thing will sell itself because it makes sense yep. and it will improve people's lives. And, and when you have a product or a service um, that can do that, then it kind of speaks for itself and you're just the conduit uh, through which the magic happens. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So that was gratifying. It was. Yeah. It was. Um, when you realize physicians, they get this, they get this title, and, and a lot of people are uh, intimidated by them. But they're just people, and they want to have the same conversations. They want to hear about you. Um, so overcoming that, you know, it's it's just it was a gratifying, gratifying job. Uh, it was a lot of warm car trips in and out of hospitals in this Arizona heat. But, uh, you know, I, I was fortunate to experience a lot in uh, my 10 years, I guess, doing that. 10 years. Uh, I eventually, uh, my last position prior to becoming an administrator was a regional role. Mm -hmm. So I got to travel the state, um, you know, see small communities, see how, you know, the marketing isn't just going to the hospital. It was connecting with the community, mm. you know, doing those car washes, you know, really providing a, a resource for, you know, that, that loved one that you probably know in the community that mm -hmm. you see at church. Mm. Um, 
So there was different aspects. And then you have your, your metro markets, but it really opened my eyes. And, you know, how could a, a big city incorporate that, you know, small community feel? How could a, a small facility really bring some of these big ideas to the physicians in a small town? Hmm. Uh, so it was gratifying. It was, it was fun. It was going from Yuma to Sierra Vista to, you know, all over the state uh, day after day. Uh, but I took a, you know, I really enjoyed that time there. And it sounds like you've learned a lot. Um, what was your number one takeaway from working in marketing? What, what was the lesson that you learned that has helped you most in your current role? I think it's having that confidence to talk to people, to get out there and really know how to sell your building. Um, and again, the services you offer and getting those services. You know, if you're if you have a competitor that's doing better than you, why do they offer more? Is there something you can add to your facility to make your facility better to help more people? Um, you know, I see a lot of folks that come into skilled nursing facility from the finance world, from banking, um, you know, just thinking it's, it's a nice job to become an administrator, but they've never had to go into a hospital. They don't know what that pressure is. And so when your census is, is down, it's ultimately up to you to have those relationships um, you need to be able to call the the hospital CEO, you know, have those talks. And there's a lot of folks that don't have that. Um, so I think that helped me when I became an administrator to really have that background to know um, how we can make these hospitals, um, how we can be a resource for them. You know, if I can't take that patient, how can I help them? How can I make it easier for them? Um, so yeah, that that's really helped me out. You know, I've I've been an administrator two and a half years now. Um, that's still pretty new, but mm -hmm. I've been in the industry, you know, going on 12, 13 years. So, wow. yeah. yeah. And, and ultimately, uh, what made you switch from marketing to uh, taking on the role of administrator? I put it off for years. Um, and, you know, I, I trained some great administrators that we had in the marketing role. And, um, I, I just never felt like it was my time. Um, and then it finally clicked. You know, I was traveling. I was seeing all these buildings. Um, I was giving input and in, in ideas that I had that worked and that helped these buildings. I had some ideas that, you know, didn't work. And I had that aha moment where I felt like I could do something special, that I could do something more, um, really build a, a fun team with my employees. And then just take care of the loved ones, do stuff different, do stuff outside the, the normal, traditional um, way we've always done it in nursing homes. So yeah. I, I, I got that motivation. Uh, I studied and, you know, I had done my administrator in training mm -hmm. um, a few years prior. Mm -hmm. And after that, I went into the regional role. I never actually got my license. Hmm. So I was, uh, I was traveling, I was studying. And for people that don't know the um, you have to take a state and a federal test. The federal test is a four-hour test. It is very, uh, very regulation-heavy, mm -hmm. um, a, a lot of dry stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, but again, it's seeing that end goal, you yeah. know, put the time in, you'll get your license, you'll help more people, grow a team. So, yeah. So you, you made two points that I want to unpack a little bit. One, you said you wanted to... Um, create a culture uh, uh, within your facility where your employees can feel valued. And I'm, I'm 
I'm getting the words wrong, but the message mm-hmm. right. Uh, so you wanted to create that culture. Yep. And two, you wanted to uh, make your residents feel special and do do things differently for them. Yep. So let's, let's attack those one at a time. Um, what have you done to create a unique culture for your employees? Recognition um, and listening. I think those are two things that your employees really want. Um, when I got to my current facility, uh, great team, great group of people. Um, there was, you know, some bad apples that may have been there too long. And, you know, when you grow a team, you have to, you have to really create that, that core team. You know, mm-hmm. you got to learn to motivate people that maybe lost interest. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it started off where the break room, it, it looked like, uh, didn't look great. So we just had fun. We, we painted it. We, we got our, our mission statement put on a big decal and put that up on the wall. We got new furniture. We got a, a Sega Genesis with a bunch <laughs> of games on there so that when people take their break, relax, enjoy your break. We have stressful jobs. Being, yeah. a, being a nurse, being a CNA, being a, a housekeeper, a cook, any, any position in a nursing home is stressful. Mm-hmm. So how can we have fun? You know, we yeah. celebrate as a team. We celebrate, um, you know, just doing silly things. I, I did it. I interviewed a manager one time wearing a taco hat. You know, we, we had crazy hat days. We, we dressed up. Um, and that was kind of key in the beginning of the pandemic. You know, everyone was worried. So how yeah. can we still laugh? How can we find a way to, you know, in our stressful jobs from call to meeting to, you know, your numbers, your finances, how can we still have fun? How could we take 10 minutes, you know, to laugh, to, learning stuff about your employees, that kind of stuff. So uh, we've done a bunch of stuff. I mean, we employees love T-shirts. As, as crazy as it sounds, like we made these shirts right right now that, you know, if you can read it. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. in fact, this is – I noticed you were wearing a T-shirt, and I noticed that there was something written on it, but I did not take the time to read it. Yeah. Um, but now that I read it, uh, I really actually like the message. Yeah. It says – there is a big smile behind this mask. Um, and w- it's funny, um, but it's uh, it's an important reminder because there's so much that is conveyed through body language, facial expressions, and um, this is kind of a natural experiment. Uh, how is that going to affect people, babies in particular? Um, I mean, they rely, not knowing language, Mm -hmm. they rely almost exclusively on facial expressions. And so uh, researchers are wondering, how is this going to affect kids developmentally, um, not being able to see facial expressions, not being able to see mom smiling or dad smiling? Um, And... I guess everybody could wear that shirt, but kids can't read shirts either. So that wouldn't, <laughs> that wouldn't help them there. Yeah. Um, well, and our, our seniors too, you got to think that a lot of them, um, they can't hear as well. So they read lips. Uh-huh. Um, they're looking for, you know, your, what you're saying. Um, and it's hard, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's tough on them. Uh, when your residents or your patients come out of the room, they have to wear masks. Uh, you know, at Haven, we are lucky to, uh, have an amazing corporate team that when this pandemic hit, uh, you know, they, they thought quickly, they used their, you know, our buying power. We have 18 facilities. We're the second largest in the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our, our owners and our corporate team, they, they secured N95s right away. And so every employee 
didn't matter where you worked in the building, you got an N95 mask. And we wore a second mask over that, just mm -hmm. extra precaution. Um, and so we had enough that, you know, every five days we can switch that out. And it was just, it takes a lot of um, stress, a lot of nervousness and fear from the employee. And oh, yeah. that's... And and there was a shortage of masks at that time. I know because I had neighbors and my mom um, sew masks and, yep. and we donated masks. Here I am tooting my own horn, but um, actually I'm tooting my neighbor's horns and my mom's horn. Yes. Uh, but masks, th there was a shortage and you guys did a great job of, of securing those. Well, I, I share that same experiences you have. You know, my I, I found out from a, a mutual friend, Nigel, that your your mother was making the mask and my mom is a retired nurse and an avid sewer and so right off the right off the bat she started making my staff cloth masks yeah um, which was huge and then yeah. you know she started knitting ear savers and then uh you know my dad um retired pharmacist still in the healthcare field he uh i was making fun of him because he had one of the 3d printers and mm. he put it to use and, and it's not something i asked him for and he started 3d printing us face shields and wow. He was sending them out box after box. And, you know, I was able to help facilities um, that needed them that had COVID. I was able to ship them to them. And, and uh, my parents, I can't thank them enough. You know, they, they worried so much about me. Sure. Um, you know, when I'm worried about their health and everyone yeah. else. And, you know, they were a huge part of my staff's success, our patient's success. So um, I haven't mentioned yet, but we've remained COVID free this entire time. Um, and you hear the horror stories in the nursing homes. Yeah. Um, we're in the heart of Maricopa. We're in Scottsdale. Uh, we should have been hit first. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people to thank. Uh, my staff, I mean, they follow the policies. And our corporate team, uh, it seemed like every hour CDC or CMS were changing the regulations. Yeah. Um, so that was a, a big growing experience. I think, you know, being a young ED and just hearing my colleagues and hearing people, you know, they want to quit. This is it. This, this is getting them out of the industry. And, you know, mm -hmm. here I am, I feel like, you know, I was, I was put here to help out during these times yeah. and, um, being able to, I think this is where it goes back to that relationship with your employees. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a lot of, um, leaders, not just in nursing homes that, you know, only give enough information to the frontline workers. And, you know, we, uh, we are we are very open in our all staff meetings. We called one very quickly. Um, we got with our staff, and you know, I I wanted to be open with them. You know, I knew they were scared, and you know, I admit I was scared too. This is a new thing, but sure. we're gonna we're gonna get through this. And here's the actual data. You know, we were I think I was on three or four uh, webinars a week, just learning the data. Um, from CMS, from our hospitals, from uh, the local county. And so we'd gather this data and then hearing it from the president and the executive team there. So it was so much coming at once. And we would share that with our staff. You know, this is the actual facts. This many people in Maricopa uh, in nursing homes have passed away from COVID. Well, at the time, there were you know, after a couple months, there was only a handful of employees, I think two or three that had actually passed away. So once they started actually seeing the data that, you it, know, when you say two or three employees, you mean corp, uh, company wide? Or no, or statewide, statewide, statewide. So, um, you know, there, it's unfortunate, yeah. but I think that is the biggest, that was the biggest fear 
for my employees. You know, they were afraid they would get sick. They may pass it on uh, to a loved one. They mm-hmm. had kids, you know, that we didn't know all that information. Yeah. But the more information I could relate to them to let them know, hey, we're on top of this. We're listening. We're changing our corporates on top of it. This is what they've helped us with. Um, and then I can't tell you how many times I printed off our floor print and our blueprint of our, our building. Um, and we planned, okay, if we had an outbreak, this is what we do. Um, we put up the walls. We were, we were taking admissions, you know, through till the end of March. Uh, so we just kept adapting and changing and we would run through those scenarios too with our staff. We'd say, Hey, if we had an outbreak right now, this is what we do. This is how we'd handle it. This is, you know, our, our owner said it best when I asked him, you know, how do you, how do you tell your staff that's afraid? And he said, uh, he said that, you know, we take patients that are infectious that we know of from the hospital, uh, a fun one C diff. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't know what that is, look it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, we don't have an outbreak when we know we get these patients. We do a great job wearing our PPE, our hand washing, our infection control. So this is just a new thing that we can't see, but if it hits our building, we act like we should. We have plans in place, and we treat them how we treat our other infectious patients, and uh, it calms people down. And just so being up front and sharing that data and asking them you know, what they're scared of, like, what are you worried about and addressing that and then carrying on having fun and, and continuing to adapt. So, no. Yeah. So I'm, I'm drawing from that a few key points in terms of, um, maintaining employee satisfaction for lack of better terms, um, open communication, um, making sure that they can, enjoy their job, you know, creating an environment where they can have fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and what else in a nutshell? Um, those are two big ones, those but also ones. reminding them why we're here. Yeah. You know, this is a, this is a very special industry, healthcare industry, skilled nursing facilities. You're, you're not just doing a job, you're helping someone. You're yeah. helping someone if it's a short-term patient, you're helping them get better. You know, so many other lives are affected by what we do um, for residents that live with us long-term care. I mean, this is their home. There's mm-hmm. so many of them that don't have family where we're their family. Yeah. Um, so it became more of a us versus COVID, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it was drawing on the energy, we're going to hold the fort down, we're going to protect our people, and we're going to do the best we can. So um, when they saw the bigger purpose, they know they, our CNAs, they, all of my employees, I mean, they have those special bonds with our residents, with our our patients, and that's the bigger purpose. So they saw that. It's so impressive to me, how uh, this tragedy uh, strikes, COVID strikes, and there are so many unknown variables, so much fear, yep. so much information, so much misinformation, yep. and nobody—I mean, nobody knows what to believe, what not to believe. Um, and you know, if if you if you based your decisions on logic or reason alone, you would not go to work. Right. But 
but these decisions aren't based on logic and, re and reason all the time. They're based on passion and care and compassion. And that seems to be a common, a common thread uh, that, that runs throughout your building. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd say one of the hardest things I had to do in my career was right when COVID hit. Um, our company, after the tragedy, tragedy in uh, Washington, where mm -hmm. all those residents yeah. uh, passed away, and that was kind of the fear that struck in the facilities. Mm -hmm. You know, our, our company acted quick. Uh, they made a decision that we need to prevent this from entering the building. We need to protect as many lives as we can. Mm -hmm. And so before it was a CMS regulation, before it was a state regulation to uh, discontinue visitors, uh, our company took that stand. We're going to stop visitation. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was brilliant. And yeah. it was hard, though, because we had all these patients here. Um, you know, at the time, I was mainly a short-term facility. So we did about 50 to 60 admissions a month. Mm -hmm. We were a, a partner with the hospital. You know, we were, we had to tell these residents that, you know, maybe or patients and that got here about a week before that their loved one can't come in and visit them, uh, yeah. these long-term care patients. And all of them, a lot of them understood. Uh, but I had, uh, you know, one gentleman uh, been with his wife for so many years and he gave me the hardest time and, and it was tough. Um, he was the only one we were allowed to have stay. And then the next day, that's when I think it was the next day or the day after when it became a reg that there was no visitors allowed. Wow. So having that tough talk and he decided yeah. to take her home. Uh, he was very upset. Um, you know, and it's hard for me because I've never been through a pandemic. Many uh -huh. people that have been in nursing homes and nursing home leadership for their whole career have never faced this. So sure. we're all learning together. Yeah. Um, so for me to try to justify, you know, he's like, you promised us that I'd be able to visit her. And it's, that broke my heart at the moment. And, uh, you know, the, the rainbow at the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow is, um, uh, he wrote me a letter, um, months later and he called the front desk and he, and he wanted, I, I wasn't, I was in a meeting or something and I couldn't take the phone call, but he wanted to personally apologize. And he said he understood why I made that decision and he wanted to thank me for it. So wow. it, it was great. It, it was great, but it was a tough, it was a tough thing. A lot of tough conversations. Sure. And the, the other point I wanted to ask you about, what do you do to make your, your facility, which as you pointed out, um, is home to many people. Yeah. What do you do to make it unique? Well, it's been challenging with COVID. Prior to that, um, we we did a lot. You know, we offered a lot of services that not every facility had. You know, I wanted to make sure we had a lot of physician specialties, mm -hmm. um, not just your typical PT, OT, speech, nursing. Like I wanted to have a physiatrist, physical medicine and rehab. I wanted to have, you know, specialists in there that really could address issues. We could work as a big team to provide better care. So mm -hmm. care is a huge thing. Um, but then just, you know, celebrating with them. It's not just nursing home week. Um, we want to do more. We want to have fun with them. Uh, again, we're a unique building where, you know, we only had a small percentage of long-term care residents and we were very close with that 
small amount. The rest were, you know, average length of stay was, you know, five to 12 days. Um, so they were in and out. So it was yeah. just really trying to meet their, their customer service expectations. Wow. Um, you know, having your managers greet them right when they come in, um, you know, buying your staff radio so they can communicate quickly. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, if they're in a room, they, they can radio over for help, which really cuts down on call late time, things yeah. like that, like giving a better experience for the residents, um, you know, through things you could provide your employees. Hmm. Um, so yeah, that, th those are some, just some things. Um, now that there's been the lockdown, you know, the visitation, um, they, you know, we couldn't do activities for the longest time. It was, how do we still make sure these residents don't get lonely? Uh, my biggest fear off the bat was failure to thrive. Yeah. I said, even if we don't get COVID, you have residents that were seeing their loved one every day. Yeah. So how do we make this special for them? Uh, <clears throat> we immediately allowed window visits. Uh, yeah. We had a uh, we have a, a gate outside where they can come up and and get close, stay you know within the the six feet mm -hmm. um, before the regulations and, and guidance were um, extremely strict. Uh, around Mother's Day, we had a Mother's Day parade, oh. so uh, we kind of did individual activities where we helped uh, our, our residents make signs for their family. Uh, we called the families and, and we did this quick. And my uh, director of nursing saw this on Facebook at another nursing home across the country, mm -hmm. shared it with me and a couple other employees. And we we're like, we have to do this. Immediately had a meeting, uh, checked to make sure we can do it. And, and we didn't hesitate. We did this for Mother's Day and we had a line of, gosh, how many cars came? maybe 17 cars, families that hadn't seen their loved ones in a couple months, um, they were driving through. And <laughs> we have a, you know, a small little parking lot, but there's a business connected to us. It was on the weekend and they were doing loop after loop. <laughs> and I was walking with some of my employees with our, our banners out. We had all of our other employees making sure they're in the shade. And it was a, it was a touching experience. Uh, the families were thanking us. The families were crying, you know. It was, it was beautiful. And yeah. our employees talked about it for the longest time and they wow. were the ones crying too. So wow. it's trying to still have fun, still yeah. um, make sure that we don't forget, like we get to go home at the end of the day. Yeah. We have our families, uh, the ones that live with us, they can't see their family like that. that. They can't home. just leave. Yeah. yeah. So keeping that in mind and yeah. you know, if someone's, in a bad mood or if a resident's cranky or whatever it is, it's, you have to understand what, what they're going through. So, yeah. yeah, that's, that's interesting. I mean, to you, it's a place of work where you see, uh, your customers for yep. lack of better words. And to them, it's their home and you are their part-time roommate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've never heard it like that. Yeah, absolutely. So, yep. Um, so we, we recently changed the name of the show, uh, for we, we've been called mindful aging and we changed to well-beings to kind of get us out of a uh, get a, get us out of a box we don't want to be boxed into just mindful aging so we uh, we're kind of opening it up and calling ourselves well-beings now um, but i still want to um, talk about and uh, explore the various ways in which you um, stay centered. Uh, you have, you see, what, 65 beds you said in that? 56. 56. Yep. Okay. I got the number switched. 56, 56 beds and how many employees? 
About 65. Okay. Yep. So, um, so, so a lot of people under your stewardship yeah, and in a lot going on, you yep. know, I'm sure, you know, if a dishwasher doesn't show up, you might go washing dishes yep. and I know you, uh, you've probably taken on a lot of roles and worn a lot of different hats and there's a lot going on. What do you do, um, to, to stay centered, to be the calm in the middle of the storm and to thrive? That's a loaded question. Um, I'm not always the ideal model for this um, in my personal life because for me to stay centered and, and calm, I want to make sure I have that control at work, you know, make sure that we're safe. So um, I had a lot of sleepless nights, but I wanted to make sure that I was researching and studying and going through every webinar and article and things like that right off the bat because if I can make my staff feel comfortable and informed, they're going to want to come to work. They're going to want to continue helping. So right, right off the gate, the first couple months, I, I wasn't the best role model for, you know, work life balance. Um, but then we all had to embrace this new normal. So, um, I'm a big believer in, uh, taking care of your health. Um, you know, I'm not going to get preachy, but you know, I'm, I'm plant-based. So I try to eat healthy. I, I've been a vegan now for four and a half years. And, uh, you so and me both. Yeah. You, yeah. You're, you're the only other, uh, plant-based guy I know. So it's awesome. The one thing that wasn't being told on the news, um, was how to boost your immunity. You know, everyone was getting sick. Uh, the people, um, with multiple comorbidities, like they just put fear. So how do we stay healthy. Yes. Yeah, so sleep, obviously, um, but exercising, you mm -hmm. know, I'm a, uh, that's how I get out my aggression, my stress, my anxiety, my nervousness, my mm -hmm. fear, uh, work that out, sweat, yeah. uh, hit the sauna. Uh, I'm fortunate to have a sauna in, in my complex. Um, uh, so fitness, food, eating healthy, um, supplements, if you can't get it from food, uh, you know, that's that's important to me and then uh i really like the name of your first show mm -hmm. um but i'm a big believer in, in the whole mindfulness um you know i'm not going to preach about meditation because i don't do it enough but i know we need to connect and i i know we need to um just take a breath sometimes and so um that was something i brought to my staff i i attended a conference and there was a mindfulness uh, coach, mm -hmm. um, and I was having it was a, a busy conference. It was the ACA conference, if people know about that. Um, I was running late. I was I had stuff going on at the building. I was trying to do too much at once, you know, sweating. And I get into this uh, breakout session, and I was a little bit late. I'm all sweaty. It was packed, mm -hmm. and this lady just started talking. And then she put us through a few routines of just taking a breath you know, and a few different techniques to calm down. And mm -hmm. then she started relaying how this can help your employees. You know, your employees, uh, they may have just gotten yelled at by a, a patient's family member. Um, a patient may have passed away. Uh, they may have a lot going on in their personal life. I don't know one person that doesn't have something going on um, with their family, with their loved ones, with finances, anything like that. So you, it's very hard to leave that at home sometimes. So what is a, a tool we can use to um, find our balance, find our calm? So I, I was touched kind of by her 
her speech and I, I reached out to her uh, and she came into my facility and um, we had two different sessions and I was able to get all of my staff for the most part uh, through the class and they learned and she I spoke with her at length before she came and she asked what are some concerns I have you know what are issues with staff um, just what's their daily routine um, and she taught them and she related what we do and and why we need to take that that time for ourselves because if we can't take care of ourselves how are we going to take care of someone else okay. so that was big to me um so we've done three sessions now um where she comes in talks for an hour does some breathing with us and it's yeah it was it was gratifying yeah yeah and i i was fortunate enough to attend one of those sessions and then i uh copied you and implemented the <laughs> yeah. same thing with with uh, my group here and um and that you know it, it offered a great insight into what um a good practice could provide right i mean yep. everybody felt better after an hour yep. uh, the question is how many of those people who felt better after an hour used those tools the next day and i don't know the answer to that question yeah. But the best you can do is plant the seed yep. and and talk about how it benefits you. Show show the the research that demonstrates uh, how helpful it is to well being. And you know if people hear it enough and are exposed to enough to it enough, they will uh, start trying for themselves. And it's not for everybody, yep. but it's worked for me and it sounds like it's worked for you absolutely and um i i have you know i've there are very few people uh, of which i'm aware that have tried it and given it um an earnest effort and have said no not not for me you know uh, or, or you know an, another common refrain is i could never do meditation my mind is too busy and that's like saying i could never go to the gym i'm too weak right yep. it's like well of course your mind's busy and meditation will help with that yeah and mental uh, fitness yeah 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 yep. um somebody says it. i think it's dan harris and he, he, calls, he calls it bicep curls for the brain awesome. um yeah mental fitness yeah we yep. we devote so much attention to to fitness and and um and appearance and and all of that is good there's nothing wrong with that but how much do we devote to emotional well-being? Mm -hmm. And when the topic comes up, um, many people shy away from it because, uh, unfortunately, it's been stigmatized. Yep. Um, but, but take care of take care of your mind, right? Yeah. Take care of it, and it will take care of you. Absolutely. And I think your experiences in life, you know, if you're faced with COVID now, or you're faced with the loss of a loved one, and you're faced with an accident, these tragic experiences, you learn from that, you build emotional strength from that. Um, but there's some situations you're, you haven't experienced yet, or others haven't experienced yet. And if you're not ready for it, how are you going to react, you know, when that hits, mm -hmm. um, when COVID hits and, and everyone's, you know, looking to you for leadership. So I think it's, it's very important to, uh, at least for me to, to keep learning and mindfulness was just one part of that. Um, you know, reading, listening to audiobooks, business books, uh, leadership books, maybe 
a book that has nothing to do with anything just to get creative. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's just important to, to fill your brain with, with knowledge and, um, just like your, your physical body. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Um, I appreciate you coming on. It's been a true pleasure talking to you. So it's thanks, been fun. Thanks for coming to uh, yeah. Never been one on one of these and yeah, this is uh this was a fun talk. Good. I'm glad you could make it. Yeah. We'll do it again sometime. All right, appreciate it. All right, man. Uh, thank you. And if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if that's too much, simply tell a friend. Hey, thanks for tuning in. I can't wait to see where this project goes. We have a great lineup of guests in the works, so make sure to keep your eyes open for the next episode. Looking forward to talking to you then.